I won't dismiss the children again since they've already been dismissed. I did that last week. I said, uh, children, you're dismissed for Tuner Church, and they've already been dismissed. So um, we won't do that again today. Second uh, Timothy chapter number 4. And uh, you can turn there, and then if you would like to, we're going to be turning over to Ephesians chapter 6 as well, if you want to hold your place there in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and then we'll be going to Ephesians chapter uh, number 6 uh, uh, this morning. And um, just I was just thinking about that song um, that um, that brother uh, Tim sang uh, congregationally, we don't we don't sing it a whole lot um, anymore like we used to back in the day, but it's that song it is well with my soul, and uh, talking about a solid song. And I was thinking about that song as I was thinking about that song. I was thinking, you know, um, sometimes it's not well with your health. Sometimes it's not well with your finances. Sometimes it's not well with your relationships. Uh, sometimes it's not well with your emotions. But even though it's not well with all those things, it can still be well with your soul. And uh, things can be uh, uh, okay um, inside because of the Lord Jesus Christ and He makes... Uh, he makes all the difference. And uh, the story behind that song is a powerful, powerful story. If you've, never, if you've never done so, there are several of them out there. Robert Morgan uh, has wrote uh, quite a few uh, of these kind of books. They're really good, like devotional books. But they are um, uh, stories behind the hymns, story behind the hymns. And some, there's some out there, too, that are stories behind songs that have been written. And uh, they just give so much more meaning to the song when you sing them, when you know what the song, what the song means or what the story behind the song is. It's kind of like knowing words to a song. You ever done that? You ever sang? Uh, there, are, there, are, there are songs that have come out through the years that I've just never, I just didn't get it. I just did not understand the song. And come to find out, I didn't understand the song because I was singing the wrong words. And uh, there's a, I guess it's an older song now, uh, but it came out and uh, I could never understand. My kids laugh at me all the time about this. And we still joke about it. And every time the song comes on, we sing it the wrong way. But I could never understand why God was on the roof. I'd sing it for you, but I don't want you to weep. Um, but it kept saying, God is on the roof. God is on the roof. Hallelujah. And I'm like, why in the world is God on the roof? Uh, God is on the move uh, is what the song says. But um, I always thought God was on the roof. And um, boy, it really changed the meaning of the song, right? when you knew what the song was actually saying. Uh, and same is true when you know the story. When you know the story behind a song, uh, it makes that song so much more powerful. And um, if you are saved, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, 
that I don't care what kind of storm you're going through. I don't care what kind of giant you're facing. It can be well with your soul. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. Uh, None of those things. Why? Because it is well with my soul. We're talking about it. uh, We just finished up in in Sunday school uh, on uh, being a giant killer. Right? We're talking about David and Goliath, and, and, um, and we, we, we talk about David and Goliath, and we talk about how David came, and uh, really, First uh, uh, Samuel 17 uh, spans uh, uh, the story of uh, David and Goliath, uh, but we kind of relegated David and Goliath to children's church, right? So what do we know about David and Goliath? Well, David came to the, came to the, came to the battlefield, uh, he got five smooth stones and he went out and killed Goliath. That's kind of, but First Samuel 17 is there's, there's a lot more, a lot more to the story. And um, let me tell you why David was a giant killer. David wasn't a giant killer because David was a giant. Matter of fact, the Bible describes David as ruddy. Uh, I don't know exactly what ruddy means, but it doesn't mean giant. I can tell you that. And um, he was not necessarily a warrior. He was not necessarily uh, um, uh, better than anybody else. But, but what, did, what did David have? David had a big God. You see, Saul and David's brothers and the rest of the, 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 the military uh, were looking at Goliath saying, Wow, that's a big dude. And David got to the field and said, wow, I serve a big God. He looked at Goliath like he was just a little puny thing compared to God. Now, compared to him, not so much, right? But compared to God, uh, he uh, was going to be no problem. Why? Because his faith was placed in the right place, even though people were against him, even though people ridiculed him. You're going to face that. You're going to have that. But always, always, always remember, you can take the next step, you can make the next move, knowing that it is well with your soul. I love that song and uh, appreciate Brother Tim singing that song uh, this morning. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, I want to read just a portion of this uh, scripture. We read it last week, uh, talking about advice for the journey. Advice for the journey. We're all on a journey. Okay, we're all at different places on uh, our journey, and uh, but we're all on a journey. Uh, matter of fact, uh, the Bible calls it a, a, a race for us that are saved that know Christ as our Savior. We are running a race that has been set before us, and so we're all on this journey. We're all on this uh, uh, walk uh, with uh, uh, with the Lord. We're all on this uh, journey called. Life and uh, I, I, I started last week with some advice. I want to give you some advice about this journey. And Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter four, we'll begin reading there in verse number five. But watch now in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready. To be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Uh, I have fought a good fight. 
I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Look what he says again in verse number 7. For I have fought a good fight, I have finished, I want you to notice two things about this verse. I fought a good fight, I finished my course, right? But then he says, and I've kept the faith. See the difference between those two? I, I, I finished my course. I have a course. I have a journey that I am running, that I am going on. But I'm doing this journey. I'm running this race in the faith. Now, praise God, it's my faith. Right? Because I've placed my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you have not done that, if there's never been a time, never been a point in your life where by faith you accepted Jesus Christ in your heart and your life for the forgiveness forgiveness of your sins, then let me tell you something this morning. God loves you. You see, we sing that song, God loves even me. And I know this uh, through the Word of God, and I know this uh, through experience, uh, that if God can save me, then God can save you. Paul said he has already saved the chief of sinners. And if he's saved the chief of sinners, then he can save you as well. Place your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for you. He died for you. Upon a cross. He died for your sin. He died for the sins of the world. He was buried and praise God, the Bible says, He rose again the third day. You know, there's a religion has, a lot of religion has things in common. Religions, religions have leaders, right? And, and whether that leader uh, uh, be uh, uh, Buddha or Confucius or Joseph Smith or whoever it is. Uh, let me tell you what they had in common. They lived, they died, they're dead. That's what they have in common. They lived, they died, they dead. Let me tell you the difference, difference between religion and Christianity. Jesus Christ lived, he died, and he lives forevermore. You see the difference? Understand the difference between that? Why? Because somebody or something that's dead cannot save you. It's dead, right? It's got to be alive. And Jesus Christ died and he went to Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, who stayed three days and then rose again that third day so that we could have life and that we could have it more abundantly. That is what the faith is, placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Well, I don't have much faith. The Bible didn't say you had to have a lot of faith. The Bible didn't say you had to have great faith. The Bible says to take the faith that you have and place it in the right place. Do you understand you can have all the faith in the world and if you put it in the wrong place, it's useless? It's worthless. If you had the most faith of any single person that's ever lived on the face of the earth and you placed that faith in yourself, it's useless faith. 
If you place that faith in the church, it's useless faith. If you place that faith in your baptism, your confirmation, your good works, if you place that faith in anything other than Jesus Christ, then that faith does you no good. Because there's none other name given, among, uh, given under heaven, uh, given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, the Bible says in John 14, but by me. So take that faith, whether that faith be a great faith or that faith be a small faith, and place it in Jesus Christ. So what is the advice? Here it is, really. There's only, there's only two things that, that, I'm, that I'll, be, that I'm, that I'll be, be talking about in this series. Number one, we talked to, started, started talking about this last week. When you know, go. When you know, go. If you know it's right then do it. If you know it's the right direction, then go in it. Stop being undecided and be confident in knowing that you're in the will of God. You see, we talked about last week the steps of a good man. They're ordered by the Lord. The Bible says that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light Unto our path shows us the way. It tells us which way uh, to go. We uh, anymore, most anybody has a GPS anymore. Used to, you had to have a Garmin or whatever, you know, some kind of a device in your car that uh, when we first came here, July, June or July, we'll be here 15 years. 15 years ago, I remember. Um, Eddie Pace said, we, we bought this and we want you to have it in your car. And it was a little, it was a little Garmin. It was a little, uh, uh, a little GPS. Because I'd say something, I can't find myself, out, uh, find my way out of a wet paper bag. I'm telling you, I, I get lost anytime I go anywhere. And so I could be there 150 times and I get lost. And so I put that thing in. Well, now, guess what? Everybody has one on their phone, right? All you got to do is punch it in. Google Maps or punch it in some kind of app that you have on your phone, and it gives you directions on how to get to where you're going. All I got to do put put an address in. Sometimes all I got to do is put a name in where you're going. And this is where I'm going to go, and boy, it tells you tells you exactly how to get there. Let me tell you what God wants. God doesn't want you to be lost. God doesn't want you to be confused. God doesn't want you to be walking around or traveling on this journey aimlessly. God has a will for your life. God's got a direction for your life. And God gives us direction through his word. God gives us direction through his spirit. God gives us direction through other people. Right? God places people in our lives. Let me tell you, I don't need a GPS. You know why I don't need a GPS? Because I have a wife. She's been telling me where to go since we've been married. In more ways than one. But she can go anywhere. Listen to me. She can go anywhere. We can go on vacation to Pennsylvania. If we've been to that town, she knows where everything is in that town. One time. She's going to, she only has to be there one time. It disgusts me. 
I mean, I could live there in that town and not be able to find anything in it. I mean, it's just, it'll turn right here. So it's so bad now. I, it's so bad now. She gives me directions when we're in Rinkin. I pretty much know my way around Rinkin. She'd be like, okay, turn, you'll be going to church. All right, turn, turn right here. Yeah, I'll babe, I know where the church is. But give you directions, right? And God often places people in our lives because in the multitude, the scripture says, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And God places people in our lives to, to give us direction and to help us along this journey that we call life. God wants us to be confident. Be confident in his word. Be confident in his will. Know that you're walking in his will. Know that you are going in the right direction when it comes to uh, uh, your journey that you're walking on. So when you know, go. And we need to be, James says this in James chapter 1 and uh, verse 22, that we need to be doers of God's word, not hearers only. Not just hearing God's word, but putting feet to God's word. Putting hands to God's word. Doing God's word, not just listening or hearing God's words. And so we need, we talked about last week, we talked about last Sunday, uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night. We talked about uh, going uh, as witnesses. God has called us uh, uh, to be witnesses uh, here in our own Jerusalem, and then in Judea, and in Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we need to go. We need to go. The song says, go tell it on the mountain, right? Uh, Over the hills and everywhere. We need to go. Everywhere we go, we need to be shining our lights. Never, ever, ever be ashamed that you're a Christian. Never. Never be ashamed to let your light shine. Never be ashamed uh, uh, to uh, have your Bible uh, uh, out. Never be ashamed uh, to pray. Let your light so shine among men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We need to go as witnesses. The second thing I want to look at, um, uh, and if you're over in Ephesians, stay there. But in First First uh, Timothy, chapter number six, First Timothy, chapter number six, and verse twelve says, "Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life." Whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. We need to go, number one, as witnesses, but then number two, we need to go as warriors. We need to go as warriors. We're to fight, folks. I don't know if you've noticed it, uh, but Ephesians 6 is the place to go when it, when it comes to warfare uh, in the Christian life. In Ephesians chapter number 6, we know this uh, uh, chapter as the armor of God chapter. To be prepared, to be ready for the fight that we're in. Uh, the Bible says, uh, again, uh, Paul says to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. There are some things, church, there are some things worth standing for. 
There's some things worth standing up for. There's some things worth fighting for. Some things not so much, right? I'm just, I, I'm, not, I'm not the kind of person to argue for argue's sake. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to sit there. I'm not going to sit down with somebody and argue with them about politics. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a waste of my time and a waste of my energy. And you can tell me this, you can tell me that, and I'm just thinking to myself, okay, whatever. You believe what you want to believe. I'm not going to sit there and argue over things that the Bible doesn't say. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. If you want to sit down and have a discussion, I'm glad to have a discussion, but I'm just not going to argue. I am not going to fight with somebody over who, who's, you know, what Lot's wife's name was. It could be Margaret for all I care. I don't know. I, it doesn't matter to me what it is. God doesn't tell us. Miss Lot is what you can call her. And so I don't know. Uh, but we also, we so, so often argue over things that don't matter. And we wait, that's a waste of time. But there are th- some things worth standing for. There are some things worth standing up for. I've said this and I've said it a million times. And you are probably, I would hope, be the same way. Um, you know, I want to stand up for my family. You say something bad about my family, we're going to have a discussion. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about some things. You come, you, come, you come to my house and you break into my house and you try to harm my family, it's not going to go well. Why? Because I believe we are placed here, especially as men and as husbands, as fathers, to protect our family. And you know, there's people that have different views on that, but that's just where I stand on it. And I, and I tell you, it, to me, it's worth standing up for your family. It's worth standing up for your spouse. It's worth standing up for your children. Are they perfect? No, they're not perfect, but they're worth standing up for. Some things are worth it, and some things are not. God calls us to be warriors. God is the reason... Why in pain, I smile. God is the reason why in confusion, I understand. God is the reason why in betrayal, I trust. And God is the reason why in fear, I continue to fight. God is the reason. He's the reason we do what we do. He's the reason we often get out of bed. He's the reason why we come to church. He's the reason why we witness. He's the reason why we read the Bible. Don't forget why we do what we do. You see, let me tell you something. I don't mean to to be um, flippant about it. I don't mean to be ugly about it. But you are not the reason I preach the Word of God. You're not the reason I read and study my Bible. You're not the reason I pray. God is the reason. And when we lose sight of the reason, we lose sight of our faith. 
When we lose sight of why we do what we do, you know what happens? We get out of church. When we lose sight of why we do what we do and who we do it for, we stop reading our Bibles. We stop praying. Or we certainly don't do it as much as we used to. Why? Because we forgot why we do it. The busyness of life, circumstances of life, all the things that come into our lives overwhelm us, overtake us, and we forget why we do what we do. I don't come to church to satisfy other people. That would be, it'd be a little odd if the preacher never came to church, right? I mean, I think that would probably be pretty odd. But let me tell you something. Before I was ever a preacher, church was important to me. Matter of fact, many people don't know this. After I got saved, I was still in the military. I was stationed in Pascagoula, Mississippi. I went to Bible Baptist Church in Pascagoula, Mississippi. I always say it's where the squirrel went berserk. In the Bible Baptist Church, right? No, the first Baptist. It was Bible Baptist Church. There in the sleepy little town of Pascagoula. That's where I was stationed when I was in the military. And if you've ever been there, which I don't know why you'd ever be there, but if you've ever been there, uh, it's a little tiny town. Uh, and what runs the town, basically what keeps the town afloat is the paper mill. And so it's, you know when you get to Pascagoula because you come up over the hump and you go, whoo, you ever been up high a paper mill? You could smell Pascagoula. Love the place. But the base, when they used to have the base, I don't think the base is there anymore. They had the base, you had to go across this great big causeway, and the base was on this little island. And it was just like, Four of us frigates and a couple ages cruisers that were stationed here at this base. So to get off the base, you had to, you had to, you know, you, you go through the thing and you had to go across this great big causeway to go out into Pascagoula. Well, I didn't have a vehicle. In my misspent youth, they removed that privilege from me and I never gained it back. And so I didn't have a... I didn't, I didn't have a license, and so I uh, didn't have a car, and so I had a bicycle. I can't, even, I can't even imagine now. But at the time, I'd grab me a backpack, I'd throw me some clothes in that backpack, and I'd jump on that bicycle, and I'd ride my bike across that causeway. I, was, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how long it was, a couple miles. Ride across that causeway and ride it down to church. And then we'd have church, and they'd throw the bike in the back of the truck, and they'd take me back to base. And I did that every time we were in port, week in and week out, not because it was easy, but because I knew it was right to go to church. And I was going to church not for the people that were at the church. It was a very, very small, very, very tiny church. But what did I go to church for? I go to church because I loved God. I began to study my Bible because, well, I loved God. I began to pray, and I began to change some things in my life, and God began to change some things in my life. Why? Because of my love for God. Don't lose sight of why you do what you do. Because if you lose sight of it, you're going to get discouraged. If you lose sight of it, you're going to turn. 
and walk away. If you lose sight of it, you're going to get off the path. Growing up, we grew up in the country. I'm talking about the country. I'm talking about Clio. Anybody ever been to Clio? Clio is a metropolitan city compared to where I grew up at. No joke. They still have no stop signs, no, no, no red lights. I grew up literally from here to, to that sign right there was a, uh, was a covered bridge. That's, that's where I grew up. River, brook, stream in, the back, in our backyard. And I thought we owned the entire county. I didn't know any better. I just thought that the, all this land belonged to me. And so I, you know, uh, there was no, back when I was growing up, there was no, no trespassing, none of that stuff. So, I mean, we, we rode our four-wheelers, we rode our uh, 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 snowmobiles, we rode them all over the place. And uh, just love it. But let me, tell you, let me tell you what we were always careful of. We went out, because there's no trails, right? I mean, you just went out and you just had, you just had, you had a great time. But you better be careful when you come back. Because if you start coming back and it starts to get dusk and you start to lose light and you start to lose your way. By the way, there was no taking your cell phone out. There was no cell phones. I know that's hard for people to believe. I don't know why that's hard for people to believe. But once upon a time, we didn't have cell phones. It wasn't no, you know, sending a signal. There wasn't no, you lost and you're, and you're out there hoping you can find your way back. And there was no, okay, okay, if I just keep going straight, I'll run to a house. You probably will in about 50 miles. I mean, there was nothing. And so if you got lost, if you turned right and you're supposed to turn left, if you got yourself turned around, you are lost for a very long time. And we're not talking about getting lost in the summer or even in the winter down here. I'm telling you, you get lost up there and it's cold, it gets below zero, and you're freezing to death, you can get hypothermia. I mean, you could, you could easily get lost and you could easily die. Can I tell you spiritually? It is easy to get lost, and it's easy to die spiritually. Now, listen to me. If you're saved, you can't lose your salvation. That's something that's yours. It's yours forever, and you can never lose it. But I'm here to tell you there are people that are saved, that know Christ as their Savior, that are absolutely backslidden and away from God. You know why? Because they took a left when they should have took a right. And If we're not careful, we'll lose sight of why we do what we do in our lives. According to Ephesians 6, I want you to see a couple of these things. According to Ephesians 6, a warrior must. If we're going to be a warrior, if we're going to stand up, we're going to fight for what's right, if we're going to fight for the faith, then number one, we must be strong. We must be strong. Ephesians 6 and 10, the scripture says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We've got to be strong. We've got to, you know what we need? You know what the church needs? It needs to get back to having a backbone. I mean, the church has become weak in this world. Do you know there are things that we used to stand for? 
There are some things if you decided, if you were out of town and you decided, I'm going to church on Sunday, you can almost at random pick any Baptist church and be sure that they believe these certain things. I'm here to tell you, that's not true anymore. You're liable, to, you're liable to pick a Baptist church or pick whatever denomination you want, and it has nothing to do with the Baptist distinctives. Matter of fact, I say Baptist distinctives, and we do this almost once a year, once every other year. We go through what the Baptist distinctives are. Because people think to themselves, Baptist distinctives, what does that even mean? It means what we believe according to the Word of God. Why we believe what we believe. Why we stand where we stand. So many people don't stand anymore. Because so many people today have no backbone anymore. Do you know we ought to stand according to the word of God? We ought to stand. God's people ought to love the things God loves and hate the things God hates. Well, God doesn't hate. Oh, you want to bet? You better look at your Bible again. Because let me tell you something. God hates sin. He hates it. Matter of fact, He hates it so much that when Jesus became sin upon the cross, God turned His back on His Son. Why? Because He hates sin. And there are some things that God says no. And can I tell you, if God says no, then it ought to be no. There ought not be a flip a coin. There ought not be, well, it just depends on how you interpret. No, if God says it, and it's definitive in His Word, there are some things in God's Word I just cannot grasp. I cannot understand why people can't understand it. God put it on the bottom shelf. Clearly, from the Old Testament... All the way through the New Testament, God said, marriage, one man, one woman for life. Do you, do you know how confused you are? I'm not talking, and listen to me this morning, I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the confusion in the church. And matter of fact, if you stand up and you preach what I just said from many pulpits today, that's nothing more than a hate crime. That's what it's become. And so you know what we've done? We've compromised. We don't, we don't talk about it anymore. We don't preach about it anymore. We don't stand for it anymore. Do you know the Bible says that God hates divorce? Now listen to me. Listen to me. There are some great men, great women, godly men, godly women that have been divorced and they're remarried and praise God, God's using them. That's not my point. My point is God's best does not involve divorce. You know what? There's so many people divorced today that we don't talk about it at all. We're afraid that we're going to offend somebody. Listen, if you're offended by the Word of God, can I tell you most of us, you know what most of us need? We need to have somebody stomp on our toes. You know what people want when they come to church? Let me tell you what people want when they come to church. They want to be, they want to be made to feel better. 
make me feel good. Scratch my ears, tickle my ears. Made me go out of here feeling better about myself. Made me go out of here knowing that, uh, that, uh, that God loves me no matter what. No matter what my situation, no matter what my circumstance. Can I tell you this much, that God does love you no matter what? He does. But God doesn't tolerate sin. God doesn't compromise when it comes to sin. And so when we're doing something wrong, let me tell you, the church ought to be a safe place, right? It ought to be a safe haven. It ought to be a place of love. But it also ought to be a place for us to get right with the Lord. What have you done this week? Listen, what have you done this last week? Let's be honest with ourselves, right? Let's be honest with ourselves. Most of us could say, I could have done better. Most of us could say, oh, there's been opportunities that I skipped over. Most of us could say, well, I probably shouldn't have done or I probably should have done. Why? Because life is a struggle. Life is a battle. And we need to be warriors standing for the things that are right and standing against things that are wrong. Do you know the abuse that's going on in our world today? I mean the abuse that's going on in our world today. When it comes to our children when it comes to our elderly, it's happening all around us. And let me tell you what the church has done. The church has gone silent. Doesn't stand up anymore. Doesn't stand for the things that are right. They've compromised it, and we've become more like the world. What do we need? We need to be strong. We need to have backbone. We need to be uncompromising as the Word of God. We need to be strong. Number two, we need to be smart. If we're going to be warriors, we need to be smart. Look at verse number 11, Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Let me tell you something. If you think that the devil is dumb then you have been deceived. I mean, the devil is good at what he does. If you mark in your Bible, circle that word wiles. Let me tell you what that word wiles means. It means a personal strategy for your life. So we talk about the will of God, right? The will of God is a personal strategy that God has for your life. Let me tell you something. The devil also has a personal strategy for your life. He wants to see you destroyed. He wants to see you fail. He wants to see you compromise. And if we're not smart, we will fall to the wiles of the devil. When I was a kid... We used to get together, a bunch of us kids used to get together and have BB gun wars. I told you, we weren't very smart kids. There was only one rule. You couldn't pump, remember the, remember the old pump BB guns? You couldn't pump it past three. That was, as, that was as much as you could get. You could pump it. We'd hide behind trees going, and wait. Let me tell you something. 
I mean, we'd be a big group of us. And we wouldn't be no willy-nilly. We wouldn't be just out there jumping around. Because if you get shot with a BB gun from pretty close range, pump ten times, ow. That thing will break the skin. And so what would we do? I mean, we would hide. I mean, we'd crawl on the ground like we were, like, like we were really in the military. I mean, we'd hide up. We'd hide up under logs. We'd hide behind trees. Matter of fact, we'd climb. We'd climb trees, and we'd sit up in a sit up on a limb, and we'd we'd pick them off as they come by. Boom! You better. Let me tell you something. You better be smart. You better know what you're doing, or the devil's going to pick you off every single time. If you think, listen. You talk, about, you talk about laughter. You talk about a joke. If you think that you're any match for the devil, that's a joke. That, that's just nothing but funny. Because the devil will chew you up and spit you out. It's like, it's like people. You, you, ever met, you ever met that person? My stepmom, she's that person. She, you're, you're never a match for her. That woman's off the chain smart. I mean, off the chain smart. Just guaranteed, if you get in an argument over, over something, get, just, just guarantee that she's right. Every time. And there's always been a little, I've always had a little bit of fear for my, my stepmom, Linda. Matter of fact, my dad called to check on me, and I said, uh, Dad, uh, uh, or texted me and ch- to check on me in my eyes, and I said, uh, I gave him an update, and I said, thanks for checking on me. He said, yeah, he said, I, uh, um, I just... Just want to let you know that if you don't do what you're supposed to do, I'm going to bring Linda down there. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'll show you on my phone. I'll, I'm, I'll bring Linda down there. And I texted my dad back. I was like, no, I'll do what's right because, you know, there's always that, that little bit of fear uh, of that one that just, let me, let me tell you something. If you don't have a healthy fear, I'm not talking about being afraid. So the Bible says we've got to stand against the wiles of the devil, right? But there ought to be a healthy fear of, of who the devil is, what the devil can do, and, and what his goals are for your life. So that you can, because we've got to be smart, we've got to be strong, and then we've got to be steady. We've got to be steady. He says, stand, stand, withstand. Verse 13, we need to stand against the wiles of the devil. We need to withstand in the evil day. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, and against powers, and against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Well, we, we've got to be steady. Tell you what I've noticed. It's an interesting thing. My wife told me just the other day, she was she was she's usually almost always in the nursery, but Sunday, somebody else had nursery Sunday night, and she was in here and she said, she said, she said, babe, she always gives me um what's it called? Constructive. That's the uh, uh, criticism. I got the criticism part. The constructive part is what I was talking about. Constructive criticism. She always tells me, she always tells me something. She says, she says, babe. Stop walking up and down the stairs. You're going to fall. 
It's bad when you become, you know, you're 51 year old and feeble, right? You know what's happened? Because your eyes, when your eyes are off, your, your steadiness gets off. Isn't that weird? Isn't it weird how you need things all to work together, and if they don't work together, you get, you get unstable? They had me do a test at the doctor's, and they had me close my eyes and put my arms out. And I did, I did good this way, and then they said, close your eyes and put your arms out this way, and I was going, hold on, hold on, hold on. I hate, I hate failing tests. So, so, so when I do an eye test, every time I go to the eye doctor, and they put that thing over your eye, and I can't see, I'm going like this. Hold on. That's an A. Because there's like this little hole in this eye. It's just a little tiny hole that I can see a little. C. And Wendy's going, seriously? You can't see. I don't like to fail tests, right? So you start to get unsteady. And if you're not careful, you'll fall. You'll fall. If your feet aren't right, you got to be careful. Why? You'll fall. That's why people have canes. That's why people have, uh, uh, that's why people have walkers. That's why people have wheelchairs. Why? Because if you're not careful, if you're not steady, you'll fall. And guess what happens? Almost exclusively, when you fall, you get hurt. You know how many Christians have fallen spiritually? Now, let me tell you something. You fall spiritually. You can say, hey, it's no problem. I'll just get back up. I remember, listen, when I was young and I fell, boop, you hop back up and you look around, make sure nobody's looking. You know, I'm good. We used to, I mean, we used to go, when we go to ports, me and my best friend, we, we, had, we had rollerblades. And we'd, we'd get out and we'd rollerblade all over the base when we got, when we got to, to um, we got we got into port, and I mean we just love rollerblading everywhere. And he's always the he was always the crazy one. He said, "Let's let's 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 jump the bench." That's a bad idea. So if you bunch, jump the bench and you hit the back of the bench, that's concrete. It's gonna hurt. And I tell you, I don't know how many times we we wiped out and. St- Hit our elbows and scraped them up. Hit, hit our hit our knees. Hit our bounced our head off the. It's probably what's wrong with me now. And bounced your head off the concrete and boy. And but when you're young, boom, you pop back up and you're like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm good. No, you're bleeding everywhere. No, no, I'm good. It'll go away. But I tell you something. When you get older, and you fall, you ever done this? You fall and you say, oh, yeah, I meant to do that. I'm gonna stay down here for a while. I was helping Wendy the other day. We were doing wee ones, and I was helping her with some things. I got down on the floor, and she said, what did you get down on the floor for? I said, well, it's easier down here. I can help hang and da-da-da-da. So after a little while, she said, she said okay, we're, 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 we're done for the night. I said, okay, well, I'm, uh, just get me a pillow because I'm going to sleep down here. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to get back up. You know, sometimes that happens, right, in life. Sometimes that happens spiritually. And if you're not careful, you're going to fall. You're not steady. How do you stay steady? You stay steady from His Word. You stay steady from walking in the Spirit. You stay steady by listening to, to, to preaching, by listening to God's Word. Always remember that you plus God is always a majority. Because what does the Scripture say? If God be for us, 
who can be against us. You're no match for the devil, but watch this. The devil is no match for God. And we got on our side, we can do it. I love what Martin Luther said when he was, when he was brought before the council and, and asked to recant after he nailed the 90, uh, 93 thesis on the wall uh, uh, in Gutenberg. He said this, To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. I therefore cannot... And I will not recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. Paul said it like this. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. You heard this song before. Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe. Forward into battle, see his banner go. At the sigh of triumph, Satan's host doth flee. On then, Christian soldiers, on to victory. Hell's foundations quiver. At the shout of praise, brothers, lift your voices, loud your anthems raise. Like a mighty army moves the church of God, brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided, all one body we one in hope and in doctrine, one in charity. Onward then, ye people, join our happy throng. Blend with ours your voices in the triumph song. Glory, laud, and honor unto Christ the King. This through countless ages, men and angels sing, onward Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our heads are bowed this morning and our eyes are closed.